You are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 46, and I am recording on Wednesday, March 16th, 2021. And what a difference a couple of weeks makes. My octogenarian parents now have had both of their vaccines, and I even got my first vaccine, and I get my second on Easter Sunday. And my sixth grader, who's been out of school since the beginning of last March, is back in school full-time. Los Angeles has officially opened up. We moved to the red tier. I think maybe orange is coming soon, although I personally will not be eating inside a restaurant or enjoying a movie in a movie theater or going into anyone's house anytime soon. I think it's going to take me a while to get over the PTSD of it all, but we are making forward progress, which is so exciting. I received the following email from a listener that I thought I'd share with you all today. This comes from Laureen and she writes, Jennifer, I'm really enjoying your podcast and I'm spreading the word. I especially like the anecdotes and the music. I have a question. I know you read voluminously. How do you get through so many books each month with your busy life? Do you recommend any specific speed reading techniques? I am working with Schult tablets currently. Thanks for any suggestions, Laureen. So hi, Laureen. Thanks so much for reaching out. I thought this was a great question, and you are certainly not the first person to ask me this question. So I thought maybe other listeners might be interested in hearing some of my answers as well. So First of all, I do not employ any speed reading techniques. I actually had to Google what Schultz tables were. So for those of you that don't know, they are table charts with numbers or letters arranged on them, and they're used to check and develop how fast a person can locate specific letters or numbers on the chart. They were developed by the German psychotherapist Walter Schultz and originally used to study the properties of attention, and later they were used to aid in speed reading. And I guess to do that, you stare at a piece of paper the same distance away as a book might be, and you begin to search for numbers 1 through 25 in numeric order using your peripheral vision. So since I have no experience with Schult tables, I cannot speak to their efficacy, but I'm curious if it works for you. Um, I can only talk about what works for me. So while it sounds pretty basic, more reading just begets more reading efficiently. I've always been a reader, but definitely had to ramp it up in college when I studied literature and I had a lot to read. And then in graduate school, first for a master's in English and then for an MFA in creative writing, just the reading load was phenomenal. So I think having all of that practice and all of those reading assignments just made me become a faster reader out of necessity. Another thing that helps me read more efficiently is actually reading multiple books at once, which sounds a bit counterintuitive at first, but nothing is worse than having to slog through a book that you're not really in the mood to read. Because I have more than one book being read at a time, I can read and get excited about what I'm reading depending on what kind of mood I'm in. So for me, that usually means having both a fiction and a nonfiction book at the same time, Or if I'm reading two different fiction books, I just have them 
be different. So maybe one literary, one genre fiction, for example. Um, And another thing I do is I always have a book with me. So when I'm waiting for my son's soccer practice to be let out, I'm reading. I often use the Kindle app on my phone or the Libby app for the library on my phone um, so that I just have no excuse. I just always have a book. And finally, having an audiobook is also a great way to get more pages in because suddenly you can multitask and read your book while sitting in traffic or walking the dog or moving around your house. So those are my strategies for getting the most out of my reading time. Do you have any feedback about Schultz tables or speed reading or getting more reading done? If so, you can email me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. And thanks again, Laureen, for reaching out. Now it's time for some bookish news. Cypress Hill is marking their 30th anniversary with the release of a graphic novel. And I know if my friend Matt is listening, he is excited about this. The book will tell the story of the legendary hip hop group, and they have joined forces with Z2 Comics. So this sounds pretty fantastic. And in other book to graphic novel news, the group Blondie have announced their new graphic novel titled Against All Odds, also in conjunction with Z2 Comics. The book will look at the rise of music and fashion icons in New York featuring the New York punk scene. And you can look for this book in the fall of 2021. I don't know when the Cypress Hill graphic novel will be coming out, but I will keep you posted. I have time for one more piece of news today before we get to our guest. I don't know which news item to pick. I'm going to go with the one that's the most exciting to me, which is that the novel The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett will be turned into a series on HBO. I absolutely loved this novel when I read it last summer. And if you want to learn more about it, I recommended it on episode 30 of this podcast. It is about identical twin sisters who run away from their small Southern Black community at the age of 16. And 10 years later, they've gone in completely different directions with their lives and with their identities. It's so well-written and moving, and it's one of those books that I look forward to reading again because there's just so much about this book to hold on to. So that is it for news. Today's guest, Mindy Mejia, is the author of four novels, including Leave No Trace, The Dragon Keeper, Everything You Want Me to Be, and the book that I read in preparation for this show, Strike Me Down, which is just about the most exciting page turner I've read in such a long while. Mindy received her MFA from Hamlin University, and she lives in the Twin Cities with her husband and two children. So welcome, Mindy. Tell me which Twin City you're calling in from. I am calling in from St. Paul. Excellent. And how is the weather situation there? We had um, some snow overnight. So we woke up kind of in Narnia this morning. It looked like the White Witch had visited and it's, which is typical for us. Everything had randomly melted in a, in a rainstorm last week. And we were like, what do we do? This is so strange. <laughs> but now the snow is back and we all feel better. I think what you do is you whip out your Turkish delight and sit in the snow and eat it, right? Clearly that that is the plan for right after this podcast. So tell us what Strike Me Down is about. 
Uh, Nora Trier is the our main protagonist of Strike Me Down. Uh, Nora Trier catches thieves uh, as a forensic accountant and partner in her downtown Minneapolis firm. She has unearthed millions in every corner of the world. She prides herself on her independence, which is the most essential currency of accounting, until her firm is hired by Strike. So Strike is an anti-corporate feminist athletic empire. It is owned by Logan Rousseau, who is a legendary celebrity kickboxer, and her marketing genius husband, Greg Abbott. They are about to host a major kickboxing tournament with $20 million in prize money and the chance for the champion to become the next face of Strike. But days before the tournament begins, it's discovered that the prize money is missing. Greg hires Nora's firm to find both the thief and the money. But as Nora begins to investigate, she uncovers far more than she bargained for. Strike is harboring not only a thief, but shocking and deadly secrets that could cost her life. I got so excited hearing you talk about this again, because it was such an amazing book. And I mentioned this in your introduction, but those first few pages are some of the most exciting, heart-racing pages I've read in fiction in a long time, Um, probably not since I Am Pilgrim. And you really hit the ground running in this book, and you keep up that pace and that energy and the twists and the turns all the way through to the end. And I'm curious, did you know you wanted to start this way as opposed to a slow build, which could have been a decision you made? And to piggyback on that question, how do you work through these sort of plot twists and turns? Do you have a strategy for, do you start at the end and move backwards? Or what is your strategy for keeping all of that information organized? Uh, Such a good question. And, you know, one that every crime fiction writer has to grapple with, (laughs) because the twists and the turns are, you know, our bread and butter. So originally, when you talked about the the beginning, those first few pages, I'm so glad you loved them. It it was like the third version of the beginning that, that ended up in the final book. I originally had two timelines in this book uh, because there is a lot of backstory here. We need to understand how Strike came to have all these secrets. But somewhere around draft two, I realized I needed to compress everything into the single week that Nora is given to find the missing 20 million. So it puts us as the reader right alongside her as she races against the clock. In terms of how I plot those twists and turns, I usually give myself permission in the first draft to just discover the world with the characters. And so I'm kind of moving through this dark, (laughs) this this dark tunnel. I, I don't quite know where I'm going. I generally have a few set pieces in mind, but I'm not sure how I'm going to get there. For Strike Me Down, I knew from the very beginning, I knew the two characters who were going to say the last two lines of the book. So I knew wow. two, I know, I knew two people who were going to live. <laughs> like that's everything else kind of came later. So so I, I worked my way through that messy first draft, got to that end with those those final two lines, and then I work backwards and and really tweak and and uh, touch up that plot so that everything is really uh, making sense, hinging together and escalating in that, you know, crescendo that we're all reading toward. 
That was really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So Nora Trier, your protagonist, is a forensic accountant. That's an occupation that I wasn't really familiar with. But of course, by the end of the book, I know all about it. I was wondering how you landed on that as her occupation and whether or not you had your own personal experience in that field. I do, actually. This was the first book that I wrote as a challenge to myself. I've had other inspirations, you know, newspaper articles, stories from my own life that have kind of fed into the inspiration for other books. But this book... I wrote to challenge myself because I am an accountant. Uh, I I worked in accounting for 15 years before I left the corporate world to to write full time, and I still do taxes. Um, so I'm in high season right now <laughs> for, <laughs> with my accounting hat. As I started publishing more in crime fiction, I got more friends and colleagues in this really wonderful, supportive community, which is kind of strange because you think people who write about murder all day long might not be the most friendly people, but they're great. You know, they they had no idea like how I was an accountant, but also a thriller writer. And, and so my challenge to myself with Strike Me Down was to write a thriller that, that proves that those two careers can share territory. I, I wanted to prove that accounting is thrilling. You do this amazing juggling act of telling this story through really three different point of views. You have Nora's, which is in third person. Greg Abbott is in first person. And then with Logan Russo, her POV is told through a very clever corporate voice. How did you land on three different points of view? And how did you decide which to apply to each character? It's also a great question. And, you know, one that I, I don't get from readers a lot, but from other writers like you, it's it's always fun to talk craft, you know, to talk point of view. Uh, whenever I sit down to tell a story, I don't know about you, but whenever I sit down, I have to know whose life, which character's life is irrevocably changed by the action of the book, who owns this story, who really has the right to tell it. First Strike Me Down, it was all three of these characters. Um, So I knew that they would all get a chance to tell their versions of the story. Nora is in third person because she needs that distance. You know, her entire identity revolves around being detached and independent. And that carries through to her point of view. So she tells a story like she's writing a client report. You know, that, that is why she is in third person. While Greg, on the other hand, is a salesman. You know, he gets your attention and he keeps it. He is immediate, persuasive. He's not going to let anyone else tell his story. So that that is why he is in first. He, he was not going to tell it any other way. Logan was the most fun to write because we get Logan's point of view through these sort of blog posts that she is putting out for Strike, for the Strike audience and enthusiasts and members. And so we're we're getting a very public version of her, which was something that I wanted to do for Logan because she is a celebrity athlete. She has that celebrity status and you never really know a celebrity. You know their public selves. You know what they're willing to put out into the world and how they want their brand to be interpreted. You know, so so having that wall between us and the real Logan uh, was very important for me. And my final question is, what are you working on next? 
Right now, I'm working on my fifth book, which is untitled, but it is, we. I moved to Iowa. Most of my books are set in Minnesota, which is my home state, but this one is in an ice storm over a weekend in Iowa, and it revolves around a physicist and a psychic who are thrown together to solve two missing persons cases. Awesome. That sounds amazing. And now we will move on to the books. So Mindy, can you start us off with your first pick? Yes. So for for all three of my picks, I wanted to go with a mystery and thriller uh, theme since since that's the the genre that I've had such um, such fun writing in. So my first pick is Land of Shadows by Rachel Housel Hall. This book is a police procedural, and it's the first book in a four-book series. So great for readers who love to read a series. Um, and it's set in Los Angeles, which is why I wanted to talk about it on your show. Along the ever-changing border of gentrifying Los Angeles, a 17-year-old Monique Darson is found dead at a condominium construction site. She is hanging in the closet of an unfinished apartment. A homicide detective, Eloise Lou Norton, um, and her new partner, this bumbling rookie named Colin, are assigned to the case. Um, Colin thinks that this is a teenage suicide. Lou isn't buying it. So that's the setup for the first book. But this, this series is so wonderful because we have a black female homicide detective, which is not a point of view that we normally get in crime fiction. Lou is tough, caring. She's in this terrible marriage. She is just everything you want in a main character. There's currently four books in the series. I want four more immediately. Um, So that is Land of Shadows by Rachel Housel Hall. That sounds awesome. As a Los Angeles native, I definitely feel obligated to pick that up. That sounds great. I also tried to stick with a little bit of a, a thriller theme, knowing that you were coming on today. And my first pick is Every Last Fear by Alex Finley. And this came out on March 2nd. This book falls into the psychological thriller suspense genre. And in this book, it's been a rough couple of years for the Pine family. Oldest brother Danny is in jail. He's been accused of killing his girlfriend. And a Netflix documentary where Danny's father maintains his son's innocence has made it impossible for the family and especially for Danny's brother Matt to hide in the shadows. He goes off to film school in New York. He just wants to be anonymous and not associated with his brother. But um, the Netflix show just kind of opens that all up. Uh, So when Matt gets the shocking news that his parents and his two younger siblings had been murdered on vacation in Mexico, a vacation that he was supposed to be on but wasn't able to attend, all eyes are focused back on him. Matt returns to his small hometown in an attempt to uncover what really transpired in Mexico with the help of a devoted FBI agent. This book is told from multiple points of view and jumps back and forth between the present and the past, and it definitely kept me turning the pages. This is a thoughtful and suspenseful read about family, grief, and uncovering secrets. It's highly readable, and it's a moving thriller about a shattered family. Thank you to St. Martin's Press for the advanced review copy of the book. And again, that is Every Last Fear by Alex Finley. My second book is Bad Habits by Amy Gentry. This book just released in January of 2021. 
It is a psychological thriller set in the shadows of academia. So as someone who is also in academia, you might enjoy this one, Jen. <laughs> The um the premise here is Claire Macwoods. Uh, she is Claire is a professor who is enjoying her newfound hotshot status at an academic conference. She's finally gotten the acceptance and admiration she has long craved. But at the conference's hotel bar, she runs into a face from her past that she'd rather forget: the rich, effortlessly perfect Gwendolyn Whitney. Max foil rival and former best friend. So the book is another one of the the past present uh, timeline moving books. We we have the confrontation between Mac and Gwendolyn in the bar, and then we go back and we see how Mac and Gwendolyn became best friends in high school, and went through their college and their graduate program together, becoming more and more competitive, and uh, and going through a graduate first year that ends in violence. Um, so. So this book is just, it's beautifully told. It's just pitch perfect. It has these Jamesian roots that go beyond, really transcend the crime fiction genre. It's just one of my favorite books that I've read so far this year. That is Bad Habits by Amy Gentry. Well, now you have my April books all picked out for me. Thank you so much. My last pick is... The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. And I am just a super fan of Sarah Gailey's. They are the author of the River of Teeth series, which is a hysterically funny historical revisioning of what would have happened had the U.S. gone along with a real proposal to stock the Mississippi River with wild hippos. And they are also the author of The Delightful Magic for Liars, as well as a ton of other books. And what I really like about them is that they're always writing in a different genre about a new subject. The Echo Wife is Sarah Gailey's latest novel, and it falls under the speculative fiction genre. It's about an acclaimed scientist, Evelyn Caldwell, who's cracked the code on cloning. She's lauded and respected in a sphere that is male-dominated, and she discovers that her husband has been having an affair, which is shocking enough, but what really pushes her over the edge is that she learns he's having an affair with a woman named Martine, who is an exact clone version of Evelyn. So her husband has taken her cloning research and definitely used it against her. This book is funny and sad and dark and existential. As I was reading it in my notes, I wrote down that it's a cross between Westworld and the Stepford Wives and come to find out that I am not the only one who has referenced these two exact shows when describing this book. So if that sounds up your alley, again, it's called The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. And thank you to Tor Books for the advanced review copy. And I read recently that this book has been optioned to be a feature film. So I hope that they actually make it because I will be first in line to see it. Mindy, what's your last pick today? My last pick is You Will Know Me by Megan Abbott. This book is I most accurately um, termed, I would say, suspense by one of the masters of the genre. If you have not read Megan Abbott yet, pick up a Megan Abbott book. Um, this particular book, You Will Know Me, um, t- really asks the question, how far will you go to achieve a dream? That is the question 
a celebrated coach poses to Katie and Eric Knox after he sees their daughter Devin, a gymnastics prodigy, an Olympic hopeful, competing. For the Knoxes, there are no limits. Even though the the gymnastics training and coaching is expensive, they they don't have you know endless amount of money to fund this. They are determined to see Devin go all the way until a violent death rocks their close knit gymnastics community, and everything they have worked so hard for is suddenly at risk. This is perfect for readers who love crime fiction and diving into elite competitive worlds. If you have been missing the Olympics, if you were sad (laughs) about the 2020 Olympics uh, being called off, this is the book to read. This will give you your Olympics fix while also diving a little bit, um, you know, behind the spotlights of what it takes to get to that arena. So that was You Will Know Me by Megan Abbott. I've read Megan Abbott, but I have not yet read that Megan Abbott. Well, Mindy, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I loved having you. And where can people go to find you on social media? Yes, I am on uh, Facebook uh, and Twitter under Mejia Writes. That's M-E-J-I-A Writes. And uh, on Instagram at Mindy Mejia. My website is MindyMejia.com. And I publish a semi-regular newsletter. If you want to keep up with me, uh, you can sign up for that at my site. Excellent. Next up for me is The Charmed Wife by Olga Grushin, which I believe is based on the Cinderella fairy tale, but takes place 13 years after the couple gets married. And now she wants out of the marriage. And not only does she want out, she wants Prince Charming dead. So that's my light, happy reading for the weekend. What what are you going to read next? (laughs) That sounds fantastic. (laughs) I want to read that next too. Um, uh, my, my next read after that one is uh, The Nine Tailors by uh, Dorothy Sayers, a crime fiction classic, kind of a missed classic that I haven't gotten around to yet. And I'm excited to dive into that one next. Well, I will leave links to all of these places and all of Mindy's social media accounts in the show notes, as well as links to where you can purchase all of the books we talked about today in my Books Are My People bookshop.org store. And if you are looking to take a writing class with me, I will be teaching young adult novel writing too at UCLA Extensions Writers Program starting in April. It's a 10-week course, and I will leave a link to sign up in the show notes section of this podcast, or you can always go to booksaremypeople.com and click on the episode to see the show notes. Questions and comments are always welcomed and can be sent to booksaremypeople at gmail.com. I'll be back in 14 days. And until then, I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week.